You are now listening to Well, Well, Filling Out. are the best. Well, she's never going to get that stain out. Nothing says it's over like running over your ass. It had to be a woman. It had to have been a woman. Are you wearing it? Wait, how big were her breasts? <laughs> yeah, did you say your initial thoughts on that? I don't remember. It's 5 a.m. I... Oh, I said I was in love. And, and you know, that means I'm leaning all the way in a uh, clown makeup contour. I'm... I, I may have to come up with a new slogan. Her doing her major profession, learning about how and what things mean, I guess, to people. Learn. We need a Villanelle right. love speech. Yes. It hasn't happened. I feel, and I just feel like her family could give her ammo or something to explain herself about knowing what love is. Like, I don't, and I don't even want to be corny like how the heads do, but some of the lines that come into my, my mind, are, I'm like, Candace, that's pretty fucking corny. But I want her to say something to the effect of, like of her calling Eve out, you said I don't know what love is, but I do actually. And I know mm-hmm. is that it's what you and I have because love is unique. Love is special. Love isn't in abundance in this shitty world. And I just went here and found my family and it was a piece of shit. Or I just went here and it was all fake. But using the situation of the family journey as a crutch to sort of say, this is actually me understanding love and what it isn't and what it is. And what you and I have is so special and unique and tangible that obviously it's love and like, take me Eve. Like in my mind, in my mind, Villano has to put it all out there because it's like, bitch, if you don't want to get rejected like you did last time, you must put it all out there for real, for real. And for her to be like, listen, bitch, listen, Eve, I would do anything for you. I would kill anyone for you. You just got to come with me. You just have to choose me. And we are ride or die to the end of time. And if Eve believes that, if Villanelle says something like that, then I got my 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 Bonnie and Bonnie and Thelma and Louise situation for uh, series four. What? Because then maybe Eve is like, her answer is, uh, who's leading, you or I? And then we get a kiss. <laughs> now, I know that's fan fiction. I just wrote fan fiction. But I'm just saying, we could get a love speech. We could get Eve delivering the line, you or I. And we could get a dance out to a kiss. That's all I'm saying. It could happen. How mad would you be if... Look at you already trying to steal my I fucking job, which in nonsense. I love, I told you, I'm clown makeup contour leaning all the way in because I love, I love this whole concept. I love this profession of, of affection from Villanelle. But what if she apologizes about Nico? Would that mess up the love speech? What? If she Why were would to... she apologize about Nico? Well... You make no sense. I would actually say for as stubborn as these characters are, apologies are completely out of character. The only people that could potentially get an apology is themselves to each other. And they already refused to do that in series two. They could have some growth. They could have some growth and say, let's apologize to each other in series three. But I doubt it because they both sort of see the death attempt or the near death experience as a way that has actually brought them closer together. So you can't be sorry or regret something that's actually changed your life for the better or brought you closer to who you are. I don't think that apologies will come in. I think that it's possible for Villanelle to express to Eve that she wouldn't kill Nico because she could have six months ago. And Eve could say something like, oh, but what about... What, what about Gemma? She's like, yeah, exactly. I, I kidnapped a stash and this girl six months ago and I didn't kill him then. If I wanted to kill him then, I would have done it, but I didn't. And, you know, it could be like a funny moment. But she needs to get across to Eve that it's different and that if Eve is able to trust her, 
that it will be returned. And I'm hoping that because the series seems to be isolating them entirely from everyone else or other institutions or things or whatever they thought they could trust, like Villanelle ridiculously thinking she's going to be a keeper or do anything like that, that by the time the Pinner episode is done and we are getting to seven and eight, they are on their own. Other stuff has revealed things and they're like, I can't trust anybody. And so once Villanelle is able to communicate to Eve, I had nothing to do with Nico and you need to know I had nothing to do with that because I realized from our other interactions that if I did that, you never forgive me and I don't want that. I want there to be a chance and opportunity. Hey man, and who did it? Let's go kill them together. Like you, I will help make this up to you if you just point me in the direction of the person you want murdered and Eve would probably be like, me first. I'm I'm the one doing the murder. She's like, well, can I at least watch then? Can I watch? Oh, see, now that's romance. Can I at least watch? That's romance. Well, Eve did get that question from Villanelle when she was going in to see the ghost and Eve regretted that decision right away, which is why she had so much attitude for Villanelle when she came out. The storage thing. And Villanelle was like, oh my God, I just did everything you wanted and you're still salty. What the fuck? I asked if you want to watch. You didn't come in and now you're mad you didn't watch. Right. You want to know what I did in there. Well, if you'd come in, you would know what I did in right. there, Eve. Right. End of story. Ooh, I didn't kill Nico. Yeah, but you locked him up inside that container. Yeah, but... Oh, she don't care about that. She don't care about that. Uh, she, I don't <laughs> think she cares about that at all. I really don't. And so I, I do think that that perhaps will come up. But it also would be interesting if Villanelle's like, look, I didn't kill Nico. And Eve is just like, I know, it's not your style. Because that would be that would be cheeky, a bit of a dark humor. And that's ultimately what I want is for Eve to really know that it's not Villanelle and to be like, oh, this is a 12 fucking with me. I want to burn a 12 down because totally by the time Villanelle is done with her bullshit, she's going to want to burn the 12 down, too. And I still think that she wants to be a keeper to burn the 12. Join the club. But they told me I have to train someone in order to be a keeper. So why don't you train me? Who are you talking about? Oh, even even Villanelle. I can't with you. Villanelle training Eve so that Villanelle could prove that she could do what needs to be done. So she uh, Villanelle up. can't train Eve because if they decide to be together to be with the training, <laughs> it's going to lead to the sapphic sex. Oh, Every time Eve needs another teacher to teach her self-defense so maybe she could stand a piece of chance in a fight. Because right now it's, it's looking real bad for I Eve need Pulaski. Eve to speak any other language. She has them in her belt. I just need her to just utter a phrase in a language, any language. Oh, it would do me so much good. It would do me so much good. That would be really fun. So, yeah, ultimately, that is the heart of my muse, of my guess, of my peak clown makeup for Series 3, is that Villanelle, I think, I hope, will give a love speech of some kind to Eve where she confirms things that Eve needs to hear to ultimately trust her and go with her heading into Series 4 and turning against the 12 or MI6 or whoever else they find to be enemies and just be on each other's side. A rare moment of honesty for Villanelle. We know that Jodie Comer can do it. She can deliver. It can be one of these things where it's that and it's in episode eight and it would knock all of our socks off to actually have Villanelle not be a cheeky fucking funny bitch. Uh, Just one question, Eve. Is that a sweater connected to a shirt or like she needs to not be that cheeky bitch. Don't be a dick. So, and I'm hoping that she has gotten to the space where she's like, I can't be a dick here because if I'm a dick here, I could fuck it up. I can fuck it up and I don't want to fuck it up. I want to get this right. I want her to believe me and know that I actually understand what this connection is. So that, you guys, is my current fucking hope. I just want Villanelle to say out loud, not only that she loves Eve again and that she wants her to trust her and that she just wants her in general, but also some sort of convincing delivery of her authentic feeling that Villanelle does not, as I've said, Villanelle does not need to feel for a bunch of people. She does not need to care for a bunch of people. In fact, she doesn't need to care for anybody. That's not Eve. Eve just needs to believe that she is the one person on the planet that Villanelle actually cares for. And it should be obvious that 
Eve, she would do anything for you. Like, she's a liar when she said she wouldn't because she would. And if Villanelle can just say it out of her fucking mouth, if she could say, Eve, I would do anything for you. I would kill anyone for you. Just be mine. Then Eve might be like, you know what? I can get with that. I can get with that plan. And I will have ascended to another plane. I don't know if I'll be able to do the recording right after. You guys might have to wait a whole ass week after the season finale for me to get myself together because I really just think it would be a half hour of screaming and just gibberish. Like that's that's what it would be. And that's not right for y'all to, to, to be witness to my insanities. But that's it. I love speech. It is my it is my number one new top request. Need it. Must have it from Killing Eve. Please give it to me. And if it happens, I will lose my shit. I pledge my fealty to you, Eve Palastri. They got to pledge it to each other and my and my (laughs) fantasy. But I am still down with that. So would love to hear your guys thoughts and feedbacks or potential ideas. Have you thought of something like this? Did it just occur to you? And if it did, what do you think about it? Do you think it's plausible? Do you think it's what we need for Villain Eve? I do. I think it's what we need. We come full circle. We come full fucking circle. Series one, we get the speech from Eve. And Villanelle being cheeky. In series two, we get the same amount of bullshit from both of them. Do you think about it? I think about it. That's it. That's all we got. That's all we got in episode five. So in order to grow, in order to progress, we need for Villanelle to not be on her bullshit for a change. And to just be straight up with Eve. And for Eve to feel that in her heart and in her loins. And then do what she needs to do. Which is Dark Eve Rising. Hashtag Villain Eve, hashtag Missandry, hashtag the 110%, hashtag hate sex, that's really love sex. That's really hate sex, that's really love sex. Stop holding on to your feelings like they're secrets. Just open up, tell her how you feel. I go for the both of y'all. All right, so let's see what you guys have to say in the inbox as we take a look at, as we take a look Gayo at. Gayo <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, so this first one up is from Learned Hand on Twitter. She had a number of thoughts she needed to get off of her mind. So she writes, and this sort of ties into some of what we talked about earlier. Okay, what if those people aren't really V's family? Remember that house we thought was Nico's, the one that's on fire? What if it's their home and V does it? I think a big theme in this season is home and what that looks like for the characters. We see Eve with a very literal view of her current home, then her selling her home shared with Nico, then her practically homeless, (laughs) staying at the Bitter Pill, and then Jamie's. We see Nico going to his homeland, trying to find himself, perhaps, or some peace, maybe both. We see Dasha talking to Boss Lady about going home to Russia, and we see Constantine going home to Russia and Irina and that dynamic. Carolyn literally also moving homes, and then Geraldine moving in and that dynamic. Finally, V, poor V, who I maintain is quite lonely and has been that way since we met season one. She's so desperate to me for some sense of belonging and acceptance. So V returns to Russia, a place she hates, to try and find her people. I think she will be greatly disappointed. Something tells me this is a setup, and those people aren't her family. There's one scene where the guy says, quote, that's my sister, and a woman next to him makes a weird face. And I think that's so sad because V looks to be genuinely happy when she's tossing dung and winning fans. Just my three cents. Well, thank you for sending in your yes. three cents, first of all. Now onto this moves. Do you, do you have thoughts? Or are you? I think that there may be a step situation in these relatives where if there was a lost parent, someone remarried and stepped in, that they're all like, muddled blood relatives where it's not like same parents both for everyone and maybe there will be some sort of 
uh, superiority complex or people feeling replaced, those types of issues, with the return of something that has been missing for so long. So I don't see everyone as being so open-armed, welcoming of this new person going, hey, I'm of your clan and I'm your family because you have to, again, how do you fit and what do we need to compromise for you and vice versa? So I'm not expecting it to be a fun time for everybody right away. So if people are making faces, I'm thinking that that's what it has more to deal with uh, more than anything else. Hmm. Okay, so hmm. looking over this question, I have spoken about what I think about the family situation. I'm still unsure, but I don't think what she wants of it will come out of it. For sure, for sure, for sure. I don't think that Suzanne has anything but devastation planned for Villanelle, whether it's her real family or not. I do recall what you are saying about the house on fire. And I do agree with you that now it is definitely 100% that same house that her alleged family is staying in because it looks like it. I, I looked at the scenes again yesterday, but also where else is a fire going to fit in? But right now in this role space, so I'm with you that it is their home and I still fall back on the, if it is her real family, maybe Dasha takes her out or, or takes them out or the family members or she does it herself because they're full of shit or some other reason that mm. she's decided that whatever she thought they were going to add to her life, it's no longer necessary or they're just no longer deserving of breathing air because Villanelle does have those decisions come to her at a whim. Right. So it could totally come at the whim of her family situation where she's like, actually, you're all better off dead. And that's what we're doing. I do agree that the theme of home is a recurring thing with all of these characters developing. What does home feel like? What does home look like? And perhaps we are working towards even Villanelle or each other's home since they don't really have an actual home. Villanelle's changes with her position, which means she will not be staying in that Spanish mansion for much longer because she's definitely not going to be a keeper. And Eve is slumming it and sleeping on the bitter pill couch. It's not not good at all for our characters. Not good, not yet. But there definitely seems to be a central theme of people wanting to return to whatever home is. Yeah, from Nico trying to get to his familial home. It wasn't his because his parents were... How rude. If I go to a place that was left to one of my primary family members in Cuba or something, it's mine. What you mean it's not his? Uh, Y'all, don't listen to his foolish ass because he is biased against Nico. But if your family leaves you property from the homeland in which they originate, that's your shit. You have every right to be there. What the fuck? I Horrible. mean, if that's the case, but I doubt that was Nico's case. What you mean? The old lady was like, Nico... We always knew you would return home. We always knew you'd come back. Literally, that's what she said. She was so thrilled. And I bet rent there is really cheap. So, I mean, in comparison to London, which has one of the highest rents, like Paris or New York. Well, the sun's starting, but my brain is doing a thing. I don't know. I felt like him being in a place he didn't know himself, I didn't know that he would have had, like, an actual place to return to. He was just like, I'm starting over and I'm starting over here in my parents' land. That's how I took Nico in Poland. I'll just say, since I have a number of family members with things and properties, whatever, not in America, is that it just, it can stay and chill. And depending on the respective economy of that country, you can just own your property and it can stay and chill. And then depending on if someone's passed away or whatever, that you could just go and uh, do stuff. Now, whether or not you go, that's something else entirely to All be right. like, let me go over here. But it's there. It can exist. I have some friends who um, their parents had divorced and it was like, estranged situation but when their father passed away he had all this property um 
in Africa. I won't say which country, but in Africa, it was a lot. And so they suddenly had to go back to this African country they'd never been to, didn't speak the language, and suddenly deal with shit that was now their problem because their father was dead. So I feel like those family things can follow you. Even when my grandma passed away, we found out she had properties. I said it to you, she was keeping boyfriends. Oh, yeah. And most yeah, 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 yeah. And it's the public. Yeah. And my mom didn't find that shit out till she was deceased. And we were like, oh, my God. But also, that's how I tell you I come from misandry because <laughs> my mom was not thrilled to find out my grandma was out here keeping men. Um <laughs> In properties across uh, the Caribbean in South America. But anyways, um, so yeah, okay. Well, learned, Han, I hope you are contented somewhat with what we said. Right. If you would like us to follow up on more stuff, girl, you be in the DMs. Just re-enter those DMs with your additional questions. We definitely love chatting with you about all the conspiracy theories that pop up with this damn show. Uh, another quick question that actually this was posed for more than one listener. And it has to do with Geraldine. And this idea that Geraldine is a gay, she's queer. And they're pulling this from the conversation she had with Carolyn in their second conversation in the episode where Carolyn asked her, did anyone come over? And she's like, just my friend Lily from university. And not too long after Carolyn is like, I dare say there are things you don't tell me. And then she follows it with, though perhaps for quite different reasons. So some people have taken this to mean queerness. Or oh, I might have. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, since you commented on it, why don't you just uh, go into the meat? Oh, well, that was actually, that was I was going to dance in final takes with Geraldine because I need an expansion on her. And I was going to cite that scene as a reason why we should just get a little bit more. Last uh, snack, I asked for an expansion into Carolyn. I got such an expansion. And so now I just need to know more about wh- what Geraldine has done and how she's getting down. And yeah, it's interesting. I, if, if Geraldine is a queer and that is what it's alluding to, I'm like, your mom is such a weird, cold bitch at times. I'm surprised that you think she would give a shit about your queerness. But, you know, there's all kinds of unsaid stuff and unshown stuff with Carolyn and Geraldine's relationship that there could be all kinds of reasons why she doesn't feel safe coming out to her mother if that is in fact what it is. And I think that Carolyn is so done with her will she tell me today, won't she tell me today, that she does walk right past her because she's like, well, who am I speaking to? Who am I saying good morning to? This lie that's in front of me? Oh or are you going to keep it a buck? You don't ever give Geraldine a piece of break. Nope. And it's horrible. Nope. Horrible. Horrible. So I don't know how realistic that is. Maybe that will become a thing that Killing Eve is doing. They definitely seem to be purposefully injecting a ton more queer characters. And so all I can do is (laughs) 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 retroactively about all the queer baiting articles that we had to suffer through the latter half of 2019. But um, for myself, did I answer this this question? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I. It seems it seems random and abstract. It could be designed to show that Carolyn doesn't really know her daughter, which that sort of seems obvious to me. It's more plausible than Geraldine just being a plant, which I know that theory is still out there that Geraldine is Constantine's daughter for real and that he's trained her really well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just. I do love pilastri theories, but that one is just so far-fetched to me. Given what they've shown for halfway through the season, I'm like, if Jodine was a plant, surely we would have seen more suspicious stuff like Dread. Like, Dread is not confirmed by any sense of the word, but we have seen more stuff with her to be like, she's got to be a plant. Jodine is just annoying to most of the fandom. She is what people would perceive as weak. And I kind of feel a way about describing a woman's weakness with her ability to emote 
and show emotion because I don't know that I agree at all. I think that it's that many people come from a place of strength when they emote, especially when you have people like Carolyn, who is incredibly strong character, incredibly intelligent, and yet completely feeble when it comes to expressing her emotions in a way that would benefit her and not just those around her. Right. And so for people who are categorizing Geraldine as weak because she cries, because she dropped to her knees in desperation, I, I, I would take pause and ponder right. that some more because I don't agree. But I, I'm not, I'm not of the thought that she is a plant at this time. So it's more plausible to me that she's a, she's a gay. And for whatever reason, she's not been able to come clean with her mom for some reason. And maybe by the end of the season, we will have a moment of come cleanness. But I definitely do think she was lying about Constantine being in the crib mm. to talk to her, and probably because Constantine was like, "Don't tell your mom I came over." And Jodine seems like the type of person to be like, "Okay." Sure, I won't. Oh, right. Like, super And then she book. lies to her mom, right? <laughs> right? And Carolyn's like, really? You lying to me? How? And she's like, but we don't ever talk. And I'm even surprised that you can tell I'm lying. It must be your spy skills because it's not your mother's skills. <laughs> yeah, look at her with this jaw. Like, I was looking to have a pleasant conversation. You choose to be difficult. I'm having quite the day. Leave me to my devices. Leave me alone. And there she is, a puddle on the floor. And I'm just like... Poor baby. <sighs> Poor baby. But then that's also my thing. Like, I can't deal with women who cry. It is an absolute weakness. It just is what it is. Candace will appear to do whatever she can to stop the tears. Like, what is happening? Why are we sad? I mean, outside of the general empathy things I feel, I just, I, I can't, I'm not good at it. Whether it's my mama, my sister, someone I'm dating, some random woman on the street. I have approached several women to be like, can I help? Are you okay? Do you just need a hug? What's happening here? Are you in crisis? Because I just can't deal with it. All right. Thank you for that. So moving on from Geraldine's plausible girlfriend, Lily, <laughs> to our next one from Sheik Gray's 8888. And they're wondering our thoughts on Sandra O's comment on Villain Eve at the beginning of this article and adds, oh, I want Eve to kill Dasha. The point of her family will shape V going forward etc. Oh, wait a minute. I think those are multiple uh -huh. muses. So she wants to know our thoughts on Sandra's comment on Villeneuve at the beginning of the article that I will look at in a second. She wants Eve to kill Dasha, which we, we are definitely on the same page there. Right. And musing on the point of her family or how it might shape V going forward, which we've kind of delved into a little bit and the last one here is oh one last thing just finished listening to all oh now so tired is that does you think do you think she means our episodes maybe good lord yeah <laughs> wow wow. I mean, wow wow thank you for thank taking you. the journey i hope you enjoyed it in the bowling alley eve has her hair down later episode villanelle had raggedy hair and her hair down near finale <laughs> this smirk emoji came to mind when you mentioned hair question about v and eve hope you're right about the ballroom stuff well good luck uh okay so first thing i'll click is this article to see what sandra o is saying this is from et canada and it's entitled sandra o has her own theory about what happened at the end of killing you season two. Oh, i might I might have read this. Let's see what Sandra O says at the beginning. Uh, it starts in the final moments of the second season of Killing Eve. Villanelle expresses her complicated feelings for Eve Pilastri by shooting her in the back, with the third season picking up after that climactic shocker. While Villanelle's motives remain ambiguous, O floated her idea during an interview with Variety's The Big Ticket podcast. Quote, I have my own theory, which might not be in line with the writers or even Jody, because I don't really know what Jody felt like. She said, what I thought is that Villanelle knows. She's too good at her job. She knows. Okay. So I thought this was based off of that podcast and article we covered last snack, but it right. is. It is. I'll just repeat what I said already, if this is what you are 
thinking um, that I agree with Sandra Oh. I do not believe that Villanelle in her conscious mind or subconscious mind intended to kill Eve because what a horrible shot. Quit your job. <laughs> Change careers, Villanelle, because this is becoming a pattern. And I'm all in with what she says about the yearning and what makes great drama and romance. If everything's just going okie doke and fine, it's generally boring and it's paint by numbers. You can predict everything about it. And while we have tried and been somewhat successful in predicting and killing Eve, there's a lot that we can't predict simply because that is the fun, unpredictable nature of the show and what the creators are doing here. And so, yeah, I'm all in with what Sandra O oh said. Again, I'm just so happy to be vindicated and validated from all those people who were coming at her coming for her neck after the Gay Times right. UK article. Right. What is Sandra saying about the characters? Does she, doesn't, she doesn't like Eve and Villanelle together. And now you guys are seeing with all these Series 3 articles that if anyone's a huge shipper of Villanelle, it's motherfucking Sandra O. Oh. And not only is she a huge shipper of Villanelle, she's a huge shipper of Dark Eve Rising because everything she says is about Eve finding her autonomy, finding her voice, and choosing actively everything she wants, even though she's been choosing the whole time, but just stepping into it, walking into it. And so I'm just going to say it sounds like Sandra O oh has known what she's doing the entire time. I don't, right. I don't know. I don't know. Just a guess. But it sounds like she's had ideas for her characters this whole time. And then what was the next part of? Oh, of the thing? Let me see. Wanting Eve to kill Dasha. Oh, yes. We, we covered that. Yes, that definitely goes in line. I don't think you did. I feel like I went on about how Dasha needs to be killed because that was my muse about whether or not Eve will figure out the string. Oh yeah, I want I want Eve to figure the string out ASAP. That was what I wanted. I wanted that to happen in episode six. But I mean the whole Dasha thing. Her being the one to kill Dasha versus say Villanelle, which is the other option. Oh right. Other option is also um Helene or Lady in Red, because anyone could take Dasha out for being problematic. It could be Helene for not doing the rat thing. It could I be Villanelle for telling a lie. It could be right. Eve for killing her stash. Right. And so depending on who snatches Eve's wig, I think that's where I was going with the Dasha is Eve needs to sit in the truth of what happened and how it's her fault. And someone has to be able to give that to her. So even if that means that she's chasing a Dasha to try to pin Nico on her, Dasha could could then use that moment if it's Dasha, if it's Carolyn, if it's Jamie, whoever it is, to be like, well, but this wouldn't have happened if you wouldn't have came. This mm. wouldn't have he wouldn't be dead if you didn't visit Poland. So, yeah. And I will say I'm very excited to get the bowling scene because I just theorized for so long. It was with Villanelle because her hair was down. She had just different energy. And I just feel like Eve is so close to the murder and no fucks left to give that I am just literally vibrating with anticipation to see what Sandra O oh is going to do with this scene with Dame Harry. I just know both these hoes going to be flexing. It might be their second submission to the Emmy board to be like, oh. would you look at this? Would you look at the flexing happening in the scene? Because Dasha's face, the one scene we see where she kind of has a, a, a interesting movement, kind of like what I was confused about Carolyn with her pop lock where she's doing something with her shoulders. She's clearly prepping to roll the ball. And she just, she's giving such great character face that she is performing in a way for Eve in the way that Villanelle performs, which makes sense because Villanelle has learned as we have learned this season, part of her, her thing from Dasha. So why wouldn't Dasha be in character for Eve? And she would be in character for what she anticipates Eve to be from the tea right. they have scooped from her and Villanelle. How will she try to manipulate Eve based on what she knows? What will she say? Will Eve completely know she's responsible for the murder? Will we get a potential murder here? Will Villanelle show up? Only time will tell. I'm just going to say something is happening. And right now it feels like it could be episode seven versus episode six. And I just, 
let me just calm down. All right. But yes. So um, thank you for those queries. Hopefully we have answered or mused sufficiently for what you were looking for. If not, just hit us up again. Uh, this next one. Oh, it's from Bleentastic. Oh, it's a mention of moi. She writes, LOL, Candace wanting woman to lead her into war. I wonder if she's seen Sarah Adler's character from Motherland Fort Salem. She got people giving up years of her life to keep her alive. Well. Wow. Well. Well. Hashtag! Miss Sondry uh, said in the latest ep, quote, I don't ask for their permission, but allow them to follow my rule. <laughs> That's hot. I mean, just knowing a woman has said that intrigues me greatly. Uh, let's see. Let us hit the Google. Oh, right. This is that show that we were like, freeform. Freeform oh, okay, with all these it. queer characters, but sometimes they just don't go edgy enough. Right. Like, if they could just combine freeform with, like, HBO, they would be killing it in the content game right now. Okay, so 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb, but you can't always trust that with the incels afoot. Uh, the description says, three young witches with basic training in combat magic. Well. Combat magic. Well. To defend the country against looming terrorist threats by using supernatural tactics and weapons. Well, they said weapons. They said combat. Right. And magic. And magic, right. And right. witches, which indicates ladies. So that is already my thing. The only thing that gives me, oh, is this a picture? Ooh, looks like there's some melanin in this picture. Ooh, look at the outfits. Mm, looks like something you could cosplay. You know what? The only thing that gives me pause here is Freeform. Oh, wait, is this from the show? This woman screaming? Do we think she's the leader? Now, if she's the leader, she's giving me <laughs> that suit. That suit, that energy, I see people, yes, you can have 30 years. Like <laughs> She got some weird colonialist energy, but that same aesthetic vibe is also kind of attractive because it's Lady Soldier, despite the historical gaucheries. Right, and I don't, I don't mind defending. Like, what if she's actually one of the people trying to breach? She's like, hmm. But you don't even know what they breaching. So how are you out here I, talking about breach? Breach what? What if they are serving men? What if men are like leaders of these factions or countries? Um, because it's freeform and it's well, probably yeah, written right, by right. a heterosexual. Yeah. So I must keep realism and reality it's, when I think about things. It's true. But this picture, that picture was giving me Yennefer vibes. For any of you who've seen The Witcher, uh, y'all know Yennefer has zero trill whatsoever. Every time someone's like, bitch, what do you want? She's like, everything! Yes. So she's is, giving me vibes with those yes. pictures. So I think I will check it out, Bleentastic. Hopefully I love it because I'm always looking for more dangerous women doing stuff. Okay, thank you for the suggestion. Oh, we have one from Clive. Let us see. Oh, Clive says that he's told that in Italy, Killing Eve is dubbed. Wonder how many other countries are not subtitled. Would seem so weird to not have the true voices. Almost farce-like. Yes, farce-like, Clive! Oh, my God. Where do you think? All right, I see what he's asking now. And now I am curious. So that's probably going to be something I'm just going to play around and look into. But I feel like there should be both options, like the ability for dubs and also for subtitles. But that probably depends on the platform. Maybe. I don't know. Hopefully there's both, but I would agree, Clive, that it's farce-like. That's why I don't watch any film with dubs, because I believe that the performance is in everything, including the inflection of your voice oh, I and what you're giving off. So if you can't hear the original actor's inflection, the whole shit of the shit can change. Anyone who's watched um, anything with a Spanish dub, <laughs> Lord. 
Lord. First of all, it's like the same five voice actors that do every Spanish dub that there is. And it's like, whoo, can we please, can we please diversify the voice actors? My God. So I'm just, now I want to seek out and maybe we'll do it for the next snack. I'm going to seek out who these voice actors are in terms of not necessarily finding out their actual names or who's doing it, but just, just a dubbed a dubbed Killing Eve episode. If I can find a dubbed Killing Eve episode from somewhere, Southeast Asia, Italy, <laughs> wherever, we will play who audio Villanelle and Eve is and see how intense the secondhand embarrassment is for the different voices of our ladies. Because if the woman voicing Villanelle doesn't have a deep voice, what are we doing? Right, we already have Jody's regular Jody voice is not as deep as her Villanelle voice. So if you're not giving the bass all about that bass, 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 no travel. Kathleen Turner style, then what are we doing? We're depleting some of her BDE, and that's not right. Agreed. In fact, I would say it's illegal. But thank you for letting us know, Clive. At the very least, we will catch a laugh, hopefully, off of these dubbed clips that exist out there. But I like that they're making the show accessible to people who, you know, are having a hard time following the English. I mean, that to me is a testament to the fact that the show is entertaining. But reading is fundamental. I'm just, I, I'm sorry. I just, I get it. Not everyone can read or wants to. I just, I, that's where my film nerdism comes out that I just don't know how you get the intended experience from the writers, directors, actors, if you are dubbed. And furthermore, it's like voice acting for a audiobook or anything else. If there isn't a director present that is connected to the project Ooh, right. to direct the voice actors, exactly. we are not getting the They're same content. They're going to do what they want. No, you're right. You're right. It's like, oh, this is the text, but... No content. So I'm just going to give you the text because that's what I got. And then I will assume what things are supposed to be. So, yeah, I could see where things are lost wild. in translation and a dub. All right. And, and next up is an email. That stuff was from Twitter. Okay. So this first one is from Max, who hopes that it reaches us before our snack episode. It did. It did. It did. Hey, Max. They write. I hope this reaches you before the snack episode, but I've just listened to your three or four podcasts and have a few thoughts. First, I love the musical sound choices on this show, and I tried but wasn't able to find a few of the songs used this episode, namely the one that played when Eve got V's cake. What I got from the lyrics was something along the lines of, quote, I once had a love and the love had me. It set me free. Um, we too can agree that it has been difficult to find some of these songs yes. in the episode. We sometimes spend like an hour or two just trying to root it out. And then you realize it's really impossible to find because if you put in most of the lyrics of something and Google doesn't bring it up, then it's probably not there. Yeah, it's a problem. So hopefully we can peer pressure Killing Eve to give it a hot damn about giving us the music list in a right. timely fashion so we can fully immerse ourselves in the media available for us. Those lyrics are of interest, and I think that every single song that the Killing Eve musical director has put into the episode has had deliberate meaning to the scene happening. So absolutely, I feel like that's something we have to read into. Once had a love, and love had me. It set me free. Girl, I hope uh, I, I take that as Villain Eve setting right. her free. Set me free. Unfortunately, she set the cake free over the roof, but, you know, neither here nor there. She's just mad she didn't eat it sadly i'm mad too because girl you probably could have had a, a mini o off the the cake flavor but that's just me um they also say if you go back and watch the rooftop scene when eve opens the cake box you can hear her remembering v's breath post kiss genius sound moment oh that is interesting
I can't <laughs> with her. I'm like, are they, are they maybe, is it maybe that gasp? That's the only Ooh, thing that's, I hear. That, that's, that's what they're, I guess, saying is supposed to be Villanelle. Okay, so we just listened to that scene a couple times at peak volume. And it seems as you are referring to that deep breath or audible breath that we hear from Sandra O oh, before she ends up tossing a cake over the roof. Um, I do agree that it is a genius sound moment. I would agree also that she is remembering the kiss. I don't know about the breath because the, the, the nerd side of me wants to say that that is an often used tactic to present a protagonist's state of mind, kind of like uh, the ringing of the ears, that when you mm -hmm. isolate something down to your breathing, you are so hyper aware of a thing that your breathing becomes something you notice. Where right. normally you don't notice your breathing, but in this moment you're just. <sighs> so that's how I see it. I don't know what you think, but I'll let you speak for yourself. Uh, I can see what you're painting there. And yeah, almost like how we keep laughing about once the cake goes over the edge, it's like immediate regret. Like she was chasing an action, and then the action happened, and then it was like, oh, oh, oh. So uh, I could see, and it, it's weird because you also see it's like a weird breeze that's happening because it's like i don't know if they're blowing with the blow dryer or if it's that's wind. interesting maybe we can ask and the foley happens. guys that follow us because that is a curious question it could be also like a breeze a blowy breeze where it's not just a breath but and that's the cool thing about sound design actually because it's an art all unto itself and that whole team has things that they do and think about so it could be a, a breath combined with a light breeze that is like here is this moment washing over you the way wind or air can fully engulfing you in the experience yes that was the spirit of sappho entering <laughs> passing through the body sappho and lilith because eve is on her dark shit so we oh, gotta yeah. add lilith in there all right um and max continues uh, they say that they weirdly adore the garden scene and that villanelle's been increasingly contemplative about familial love so that brief moment of innocent surprise and quote is this what it's like was super fascinating to me oh great I feel like, yeah, she was getting to do things that she doesn't normally get to do. Um, hearing the woman be as strange as she was and probably wondering why Constantine got her doing this thing for him off the record. Um, but then understanding that she needed to be efficient when she did what she had to do. She wasn't fucking efficient. I can't. You think the way she killed that woman was efficient? Lord, I, I just say I have to disagree. I don't think it was an efficient kill at all. I think she disobeyed. Constantine. I think she could have done that bitch a, a different way than chasing her in a garden, than just than hemming her up in the, in the hose. I think there were probably other ways. And I mean, it depends on how you look at it. Is it more cruel to give someone a moment of happiness before you kill them? Or is it less? Because theoretically, Villanelle is holding the shears when the woman comes up to her. And because of the woman's interaction, because of her hiccups, you could theorize that Villanelle opts not to kill her with the shears quickly a quick slice of the throat Aaron Peel style and opts for this other game that she plays because she wants to enjoy and revel in this woman's weird maternal energy for a little bit before she hems up in a, in a hose and the fact that Villanelle just decides to hem that bitch up in a hose at the end of their thing is ridiculous and so peak Villanelle which is what should make her still scary to a lot of people that she can just flip on it much like that smile she gave to Bill in series one yes before. which is probably the most <laughs> scary that i've seen villanelle she was be. a shark in the water 
Visually, she didn't feel as sharkish as the Julian episode, but she was, to me, Jody just played that scene perfectly as a person who was smiling, but without actual empathy behind it. And I feel like that's a hard thing to give off. It's hard to be like, I'm smiling because smiling in and of itself is like, look at me, I'm smiling, respond to this positivity. And that's what most empathetic humans do. And it kind of goes back to Villanelle with the child is that right. she's always playing pretend and she's trying to do something. And to me, it's never been more obvious that she was pretend smiling than at Bill, where that same smile is like, I'm coming to get you. It's done. And Bill's like, no. And then he died. R.I.P. Bill. Don't put your hands on women without their permission. Murder on the dance floor. So I think I answered that. I think I did. I would agree that it was very fascinating. And I mean, that woman was kind of strange and weird. So I think she just intrigued Villanelle to a certain extent. But it was super fascinating in terms of getting into Villanelle's mind and the fact that she is so dangerous and so very much an adult, but also very much a child. And perhaps this goes back to what we've theorized about in the fandom and elsewhere, that her stuntedness is from the fact that she was taken away from her family, what was left of her family at an early age, put into another place, and then from there put into another place. So there are reasons that totally make sense for Villanelle's ultimately juvenile attitude that she can have that we love because it's fucking adorable and it looks like we'll get a lot more uh insight into some of that uh next week hopefully that remains to be seen suzanne could fuck us all the way up and down i have no idea oh that is always a possibility but you know what i'm just gonna be on this uh and suzanne we trust because this is the path i'm just going to commit myself to until it's time to take off the clown makeup Mm-hmm. They also mentioned that Villanelle had a red ribbon in her hair. Yes, we saw and screamed about it earlier. Um, they also mentioned that they echo our enthusiasm about the lady in red. They were immediately excited when they recognized the actor as Camille Coutin, who was the French flea bag. She also plays a powerful sapphic. <laughs> I love that phrase. Powerful sapphic. In a French series called Call My Agent, which we covered earlier. And it's currently on Netflix. Good to know. And uh, they liked the detail and knew right away that she had to be a big player. That's we. I feel like we mused in a snack yeah, that Camille was probably a big player. Yeah, I think we said 12. I did not know she was playing a gay somewhere on French television. But I will remedy that very I think shortly. It was like, is it a lover? Is it, We were like, is it the wife? Is it the 12? Is it... Is it my 6? I think the biggest guess was the wife because we just kind of wanted that. But given her most recent resume, then that makes sense that we were pushing her towards the Sappho. Uh, they add, all they have to say about the Nico scene is, what a way to go. And someone gives Sandra O oh her flowers. Wow. Agreed. 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 Hashtag Emmy for thank Sandra O. Oh, 2021. being attentive Slash and Slash 2020. And they have two more notes here. Uh, the first of which is V touching her neck at the end is interesting. I think the obvious read is that Holmes scared the hiccups away, which is what you said. I think, earlier. But the way it was edited could also allude to V feeling Eve's pain and the ambiguity there, intentional or otherwise, is delicious. Not to mention they used the same romantic synth that was used last week when Eve strokes V's heart. A lot of promotional images for Series 3 involved E and V twined together with the red thread of fate, East Asian mythology. Two people connected by this thread are destined to come together, soulmates essentially, so I wouldn't rule out the ambiguous soul connection thing. Well... Yes, I would agree. I've, I feel like I've said time and time again that I believe that their connection is in another plane. It's another world. It's into all the dimensions and levels and shades and spectrums in which something can be experienced and connected through. So I'm with you there. I'm still in the middle of, oh, does it connect to Nico? Because Nico's so ultimately insignificant 
which is why I go with the family. But if it's if it's just her being connected to Eve in general, like there's a disturbance in the force. The sapphic force has been disturbed with my girl. I'll take that too. Um, I'm a simple, simple villainy fan <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> I'm wondering if the hiccups are, um, like everybody's taking it as the hiccups being gone with the way the sound designed the whole scene. Yes, she does make the touch for the neck. I wonder if there will be a hiccup. She mentions that she had the hiccups in the preview, but it doesn't mean that there won't or will be one that rears its head during the episode. So I'll just hold and see what happens. Only time will tell. All right. And the last note here is regarding Villanelle's family. I know this isn't going to end well and I'm nervous for her. Me too. Um, I have a feeling these people are on Constantine's payroll or just generally suck and soft. Hopeful Villanelle hurts me. So I'm prepared to cry next week. Can't wait for Eve to murder Dasha. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I'm with you. I, yeah. I believe that Villanelle's boredom is actual loneliness and it has never been more obvious and gaping to her throughout her 26, 27 years of living, how old she's supposed to be in the show, than right now. And she's looking desperately for a way to fill it, to understand it, because we know she is lacking in certain areas of comprehension and she's doing her best to figure it out. And I do feel like they will put us in the extreme dope yeah, will next week in terms of the pain they caused Villanelle because look what they just did to Eve. They gave Sandra L her moment to be like, bitch, 87 emotions right now. Do it. Go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. And she did it. And so it could be that moment for Villanelle as she watches her fake family's house burn and their cries come from the fire. <laughs> I know that was dramatic. It's a little bit Cersei Lannister, but also is it out of the realm of (laughs) it is a lot of thirsty because she burned people with dragon fire oh marjorie but yeah um also yeah can't wait for eve to murder dasha yeah 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 and max also included some attachments uh first one here is of the lady in red and dasha and it says imagine your turtleneck game being so strong it's how an international crime organization identifies you i mean that's wow hey that's eve blastry it is eve And the second one is um, a tweet that says, I just can't stop laughing at the 12. One of their biggest problems are two women being gay and consequently ruining all of their plans. Please, that's just so funny to me. They're like, we can't kill them. No, they're too powerful, but we need to stop them from being gay. (laughs) Please. So, (laughs) and that's the image. Listen, queerdom is a powerful thing and most folks don't know how to deal with it. I'm sorry to say. Sorry to those that can't get, I don't know, with the program. But um, if the tw- if the 12, as mighty as the 12 are, can't stop Eva V. I mean, what, what, what chance do the heads have? Zero. Okay, so thank you, Max, for all those lovely yes, questions. Yes, thanks for writing in. Um, next, we've got a message sent in from Mel and Sue. Oh, there's two. Oh. First one is like, hey guys, FYI, Pinner is a town in Middlesex, greater London area, and it is where Elton John was born. I believe Villanelle's family are all Elton fans, hence the title. Thanks, Melanie. I did not Google Pinner. I have to say that I did not. I wrongly assumed that it could have been a place in Russia. It's not. It is Elton John's home, and I really don't think there was ever a moment in my life prior to now that I would have had a reason or want to know where Elton John grew up at. I did not see his biopic. I have to tell you. Right. <laughs> so, I, that so if could it was be mentioned there, fresh shirt, right? that I could don't be know. The fresher reference for right. someone. Right. Who wasn't heavily raised right. on Elton John. Not to so, say that we're removed, but. Yeah, so this seems to confirm the Elton John obsession since they are Russian. And this makes me think of like 
the Russian obsession with like um, David Hasselhoff or just like other celebrities well, that yeah. are just like C, D list over here. But for some reason in a Eastern European country, they're like, oh, my God. Well, you know, the boss. <laughs> well, that's not fair to some Americans because they're like Jody. They love uh, Bruce Springsteen, too. Morning, <laughs> USA. He has a lot of fans. OK. A lot. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. Shady and rude. All I said was, yeah, he does. That's all I said. He does have a lot of fans. Right. He's like fucking Paul Simon. They're just out there with fans. And it's probably because my parents listen to corny music and they took me, as I've told you, to a number of concerts mm-hmm. that I'm like, go, Sharice. I will never tell anyone Kenneth was at that fucking concert because no one needs to know. Oh, and this other message from Melanie says, hello, guys. I hope you are both well and staying safe. I just watched Sneak Peek, Dung Thrower. The guy in the brown and red jumper who says, that's my sister, is the image of Kenny. So could that be Sean Delaney playing another role in the show? Would that then make actual Kenny Villanelle's half-brother? Maybe Constantine is actually Kenny's father and possibly father or uncle to Villanelle. Hence the similarity in looks between the two men. Just a theory. I could be way off here. Well, Melanie Palastri. Melanie (laughs) Palastri. Thank you. No such thing is way off. No such thing. Welcome. Welcome to the family. Um... Can you pull up that sneak peek on your iPad real quick so we can take a quick look at this face? Because I definitely did not notice a Kenny lookalike or a doppelganger. All right, well, I'll let you take it away, Terrence Palastri. Um, I'm going to say that we took a peek at the, the clip. Um, we can see where you would favor. Mildly confused about the person who actually says the line. That's my sister and the dude on third place because he looks like he had the brown jumper. But yeah. Right. So if we're looking at the person who said the lines, then we could see how the kind face is sort of a good ringer for like Sean Delaney. And it would be a, an adorable Easter egg had it been... Uh, whether it's confirmed or not, that he is playing just another role in the series and he's just not telling us that that's what it is. And that would that would be a fun uh, thing to, I guess, reveal later on, maybe after episode seven. But, I mean, would I waste my clown kit on it? I don't, I don't, <laughs> would you waste your clown kit? I, well, that's I mean, funny. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I stand behind a lot of things. You know what? I do like him and I would like for him I to I know also... you're going to roll with the Palastri theory. You love theories like I this. I do. I, 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 love, I love the concept. So me watching this individual hug Villanelle like they've never hugged anybody before in their life. Let it be Sean Delaney. <laughs> Let it be Sean Delaney. We'll just take additional Sean Delaney scenes if they're out there that aren't a memory or a dream. A Carolyn dream. All right. Well, thank you, Melanie for your queries thanks for it again next up is jessica um oh this is a lengthy let me let me let me scan before i just go through the whole thing all right so i just took a moment to read through this lovely mini essay but i just love when people have this many thoughts and feelings about killing eve and so the first part of this muse and revelation from jessica has to do with something we've talked about already this snack and that is the music and i'm so glad the music has touched so many of you who have noticed it we are paying attention to what killing eve is doing and we are thinking about it oh yeah and so ultimately jessica feels like the music that villanelle is now playing and experiencing has something to do with how disconnected she once felt from human emotion 
versus what she feels now with Eve in her life. You are correct about the times that you remembered her hearing or doing something with music, as you mentioned earlier. And I really like the way you put this last phrase. It just feels like music is becoming a part of her world when it never used to be. This desire to listen to other people express their emotions has to come from her awakening to her own via her love for Eve. Season two was primarily Eve waking up, but this season feels like Villanelle's waking up. Yes. That is a great way to look at it. Yes. And it's actually the best way to look at it in my mind from what Killing Eve, the creators and people behind it have said themselves in some of the interviews that have given people pause, like we're developing Villanelle, we're trying to show where she's coming from, we're trying to show what she's feeling, we're trying to show some depth and people have been concerned to be like, well, what is this? Is it Villanelle acting out of character or whatever? And it looks like, you guys, it is just the natural evolutionary byproduct of Villanelle feeling real things for Eve because it literally was episode seven where she says, I feel things when I'm with you. So theoretically, that is the realization then. Us as an audience, we had that with Amsterdam. Eve, as a person, hasn't had that at all outside of I feel things when I'm with you and what happened to show days emerge from the bathroom right after. So that went in and out of Eve's ear so fucking fast, which is why she threw the file and left to go be angry elsewhere. She sure did. But babe, I'm not with them when I'm with them. (laughs) She's like, girl, but you are kind of with them literally in the flesh. So I'm having a problem right now. Am I the them? Because, you know, tonight we're trying to if you're trying to be down for the three P, like I said, Lord. I feel wide awake. That's Villanelle. But it's a little terrifying to her, which is why she has been so manic. Because she's like, bitch, I want to be back to sleep. But I haven't had my O, so I guess I will be awake and try to figure out how to make it work with Eve. Um, Let's see. Second part of this muse. Wow. I love when she's like, call me a clown. Girl, we all we clowns. All... I'm just this like, what mm, we do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As I'm reading this, this feels like a TED talk on why Villanelle has feelings. And I'm just with every sentence of this thing. So for anyone out there calling her a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Need you to watch your damn mouth. So essentially this next part here is making the argument for why Villanelle is just not some cold, unfeeling psychopath, which preaching to the choir a little bit, but I love that you are giving all your reasonings because that's actually what I enjoy. A lot is receipts, especially when people out here trying to gaslight you in articles. We're like, look, at, but look at my receipts, though, for what's <laughs> happening for Villanelle. And essentially, she says that when people are different, they're treated differently and it can perpetuate a vicious cycle of otherness compounded by being treated as other. And that we know right. Villanelle's had a rough childhood mm. and she was kept at arm's length by everyone other than Anna, the abuser, the pimp, and that they themselves have gone through long periods of life not having anyone and so what she's getting at here is that you know she wouldn't score a single point on the psychopathy scale but still in her life has felt has had moments where you forget what it's like to have emotions or human contact or emotional closeness yeah when you can't trust anything right you forget how to react to other people and their emotions how to be compassionate or empathetic sometimes or how to be invested in other people mattering um And they're essentially arguing that for Villanelle, these types of things make sense because of her upbringing and the fact that she's ultimately still very young in the journey. But that Eve has brought about this great awakening that we've been talking about that no one else has. And that the longer Villanelle 
cares for Eve or loves Eve, the more she ultimately feels, which would certainly work with this slippery scale of stuff. And I would actually argue that that's how it is, like actually in relationships, that once you get to the point of, oh, I love this person, like it can be really... um alarming Intense. how quickly <laughs> how quickly you're like i would do anything for you yes like it's um as a long time letter writer myself i just whew, some of the things i've put down onto the page just, i've pledged all kinds of things past lives and future lives oh <laughs> uh, gosh oh i love this phrase she's being loved back to life oh Yes. Isn't that like the most adorable 180 from if I killed everyone I didn't trust, I wouldn't have anyone left? Yes. And it feeds into my overall optimistic idea of that you can love anyone. It's it's about choices, Eve. But no, really, it is. It is. Because I've said before, or is that Gentleman Jack Crack, where we discuss all things life and meaning. But I'm like, love is a choice. Love is not just something you fall into. Obsession could be, fixation could be, lust could be something that just smacks you in the face. But love, love is something you choose to do because even if you feel like it just happened upon you to stay in it, to be actively in it, that is a choice that humans have to make. Right. All right. Um, where are we? She's like, she's developing new emotions, new desires, new interests. Call me a clown, but I don't think that the only way Eve and Villanelle can end is in mutual destruction. I would agree there, but part of negative. my mutual destruction, <laughs> part of my mutual destruction is them both dying together because right. of something they've done. Right. So if So they don't Eve have to kill each Pal other. If Eve Palastri is dying, and if Oksana is dying, technically Oksana's dead. Technically. But yeah, if they both if Eve Palastri and Oksana die, then they're dead. And then out of the ashes will rise. Um, hopefully two beautiful, budding, loving. No, I'm not talking about fake death. I'm talking about real death, not symbolic death. I'm saying for the end of the series, for people who say mutually assured destruction, that for me, it's not just these two bitches might kill themselves after a, a particularly inspired schmang. For mm. me, it's that they have to go down because you can't be as chaotic and as singularly focused as these women can be and not end up in the bad place. The only time okay. that doesn't happen is if someone gets a hold of you, like the 12. But if they both decide, like how I want them to, to turn against the 12, to turn against these entities and factions who feel like they can control their darkness, that they just take them out, that ultimately, realistically, they have to get to a point in the agency where they hit a brick wall. Like they should yeah. take out maybe six or seven 12 members, but like motherfucking Helene, she's at the top and she's like, not me, bitch. And she chokes them both out at the same time, right, like my fan fiction. Right. I've already written in my head. And well, so that's that's how I feel about that, that they they will both be destroyed, but not necessarily at each other's hand, because I don't think this series can send Eve and Villanelle off into the sunset. They have to end it in some definite way. Right. And death is the easiest way. The Game of Thrones way. Let's see. Right. So they finish up that part by saying, I think these women are so complex and what they've gone through is intense and traumatic. But I think that the only way this ends badly is if Eve chooses to end it that way. <laughs> and Villanelle proves her critics, her doubters, and her detractors wrong every single episode. She sure, she does. sure does. She also makes an interesting comparison between Villanelle and soldiers, pointing out that while having respect for all of our military, but soldiers are told when and whomst to kill. It's the nature of the job. They're handed deadly weapons and await 
the word from their commanding officer to yeah, kill sure. them. And that's okay. what Villanelle does as well. Oh, I would agree. I mean, I have all kinds of philosophical things that I amuse about in my head or with friends about the military, about violence, about war, the nature of war. Well, it's very male. It's very male, which is probably why it's full of bullshit and artifice. But I would agree there that it's a it's a fine line to walk. And isn't it? That's what morality is. Intent. If you intend to kill a military person, it's okay under the guise of war. If you intend to kill a civilian, it's murder. But uh, you know, um, all that stuff is subjective. You could probably have an uh, infinite curriculum, philosophical curriculum about discussing these things, but I'm with you. I don't think that Villanelle is much different than a soldier who is being sent to kill on the command of an officer. That's why she's my Roman centurion. <laughs> she's like, but look at Eve and her obsession. If we're going to call anyone a monster on the show, shouldn't it be Eve? Well, yeah. I said I that mean, they both monsters. They both monsters. But and actually, you know, there are people out there who are calling her that and saying she's unlikable. I'm just saying the more grotesque Eve reveals herself to be with her darkness, the more likable she is to me as a character because that's literally what I've wanted from series three. But I realize that if you weren't looking at Eve Pilastri that way, if you weren't looking for the darkness to rise, you were probably really disturbed and upset by what Eve Pilastri has been getting up to. Because you're like, Eve, I thought you were a sweetheart. <laughs> never was. I never was. All right. So we are at the last part here and she's like I know this is really long already but I just have one musing to throw out there it's about Villanelle and her new scent first of all I'm dying to know what it actually smells like same everyone does all of us but the real musing is do we think Jody had them really make a new scent for her to wear I can't remember where she talked about it I think it was a behind the scene clip that they put out on the first season blu-ray but she picked out a very specific scent that Villanelle would wear and she would have them sprayed in Eve's house and various other sets where Sandra was as a way of setting the stage for when Eve and Villanelle finally come together. I do remember her talking about this. Me too. Creating anticipation and longing. I really want to know if Jody now smells like the centurion turned emperor and if she had them sprayed at Eve's apartment for when she finds the bear. I would give anything to smell these fragrances that Jody picks out for Villanelle. I'm just fascinated by that. So many people are questioning why Villanelle would ask people to smell her. But I'm like, are you watching this show? Same, same, same. That is my same response. And she ends saying, Villanelle has always been obsessed with fragrances. This is her thing. She used it to create personas and set moods to seduce and impress. It's one of the most significant ways she relates to the world. And thank you for reading my ramblings. <laughs> Love you all. I'm very excited at your newfound fame. Girl, fame. Newfound. That's wild. I feel like the stands, the biggest stands in a fandom get regularly more tweets than retweets okay. than us. But the, for us, for us, literally it is fame. You are right. You are right. Okay. Okay. So yes, that was the last bit of her muse. Uh, so I'll let you go first on whether or not you I think love, what you think is happening with Jody in the sense. I love what you're putting down. You touched on a lot of what I've already covered in the first part of my muse, where I definitely labeled if there is an emperor involved, it would be Helena, and if there was a champion, do you mean Helene? Helen. There's oh, sorry. A, but there's accents on the okay, thing. Okay, but there's no A. I feel like you I went Helena. I don't know how to do the Helena. thing. With, I, I'm not a. <laughs> I'm not a I'm linguist. Fucking with you. I'm fucking with but you. It's six. There's a Roman emperor, <laughs> and then there's the champion who is our uh, villanelle, our Jody, and then she has a companion, which at this point is like her beast or her lion, and then that's Eve Pilastri. So my vision for the three—that's their angles—and you pretty much. Got what? I, it's almost like my wall that I have in my room <laughs> is the wall that you have with all the push pins and the strings. We 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 looking at the same things. So um, welcome to the army. Thank you for writing in. 
Thank you for that hefty jaunty, jaunty, jaunty. <laughs> you know, it was. And when I can scroll a person message, I'm like, I really feel this because I am always too long winded. It is a problem. I have a lot of things I want to say all the time and it's fucking difficult to control myself. This next message is from Laura. Oh, she starts with just finished this week's podcast. Thanks. You're making my quarantine day. Oh, yay. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's got some information here about Camille Cotin. I'm so glad that everyone heard my newfound obsession with the lady in red. They're like, girl, let's get you straight on what's happening with this woman and this actress. So she notes that Red Stilettos is played by Camille Cotin, a French comedian and actress who is in the show Dix Poissons, a French series in which she has big sapphic energy. And again, you guys know how to get me to watch a show. You have figured it out. What do we say to Candace to get her to press play on that Netflix series? And it's sapphic. The, the phrase big sapphic energy will get me every time. Called Call My Agent in English. Don't know where you can find it in the States. Netflix, as I really uh, revealed earlier. Yes, about agents representing actors and what goes on behind the scenes in the French movie industry. Whoa. Some of it is gaucheries, given what uh, Adele Hanel <laughs> brought to our attention at the Cesar Awards. But yes. Oh, yeah. And she's like, hence the name 10%, which is the revenue earned by agents on their actors' contracts. It's a nice comedy, and Cotin's queer representation is on point. Highly recommend. Well, since this is like my third recommendation, I'm going to do it, you guys. I'm going to do it. If you want to hear my thoughts after the fact, just let us know. And she's like, anyway, so my theory is that Cotin's character is above Dasha's pay grade. Girl, those stilettos. Those stilettos were the first clue she's above Dasha's pay grade. She continues, maybe her direct boss, maybe a guardian, maybe one of the 12. Either way, I'd be super excited to see her and Villanelle in a scene. I don't really think that would happen unless Villanelle gets what she wants, more responsibility in the organization. But I agree with you. I don't think it will happen. (laughs) Have fun watching the bus scene for this length of time. Well, maybe it will, but in series four. And the way that I can see it happening now just came into my mind is that Villanelle and Eve have killed Dasha and other people. Mm-hmm. And this bitch just showed up in a room like, oh, okay, all right, I'm here. I guess this Let's is talk. happening. Right. <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> or she can do like a Villanelle line. Okay, we can fight or we can talk. Like they just bust in the room trying to do some shit. She's like, okay, you guys decide what you want to do. Because if it's fight, I promise you, you're going to regret it. You're going to wish you chose something else. And that's the energy I'm keeping for Helene's fighting skills until they prove to me that she got hands like Eve. Until they show me she got hands like Eve, I, doubt, I refuse I to believe. Right? You can't be that important. You can't. The way how you she can't. stepped up Look. at that pool. Like, there's just Oof. no... There's Her no... BDE is right. off the charts. And I just like how Killing Eve keeps leveling up the BDE. Like, you think you've reached the top of BDE for women, and then they introduce another bitch. They're like, no, ho. We can go even higher. God, and Suzanne, we trust. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Oh, this last one is just from Maida. Maida? I hope I'm pronouncing that right. If I'm just, if I'm wrong, please let me know. And I'm sorry. But she writes, hey, you beautiful people. I just only found out about the podcast when the new season started. And little did I know it was the misandric content I've been missing all my life. Well, welcome. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks, ma'am. Since then, I've binged all the episodes and became a huge fan. You folks are amazing, fierce, thoughtful, and so funny. I want to send a shout out and a huge thank you for the top-notch work you've been putting out, especially during this global crisis. Loads of love from your Brazilian stan, Maida. Oh, Maida! Thank you. We appreciate that so much. Thank you so much for listening. These messages mean the most when it's literally as it is now. 6.30 a.m. We can hear the workers doing what they do, which is work and hearing us scream and always them thinking to themselves, what What? are these hosts? (laughs) Right. They need to (laughs) cut that out. Why are they the only ones always yelling in the building (laughs) at these hours? Gosh. 
All right. So, sir, I think that finally concludes uh, Gayo Correo. <laughs> I'm glad you can say it because I was looking uh, at it like, I don't know how to say this. So, but. All right. So, what we'll do, see, and then here's me <laughs> not knowing how to transition. But. Feral Fan Fridays, we definitely appreciate it. Everybody who wrote in, if you would like to be included in the next Feral Fan Fridays, uh, just hit us up uh, at the end of the episode. And in our show notes, you'll see all the ways to reach out and contact us. Uh, it's time for Bought It on Twitter Tumblr. <laughs> uh, let's do it. Oh, all right. Um, you guys see this? Wait. I'm is that Twitter? Tumblr? What is it? You. Send it. Right, send Immediately. It all right right here, now. Here, here, all right. Send all the things. All right. Okay, so I guess I can begin with this spotted on, uh, which was basically this Reddit user who created this wonderful artwork that I would love to share with oh. you. I Why does Eve's hair look so wild? Uh, well, <laughs> no, well... I, I, that's self-explanatory. <laughs> okay, I was it was a rhetorical say, question this is, to myself. As you can see, this is the Eve, which is Admitted going down. Eve. She's going down. This is, oh, right. this is Eve trying to lean back. Yes. I lean back. Yes. Sapphically. Yes. Mm. I like it. I love all the fan art that comes out of the stuff. It looks like Sleazy Janet. Thank you, Sleazy Janet. Oh, my God. I just remembered that the coloring books we were going to do about. I didn't. I need to. I need to check the. You see, what happened was that clip of ours went around and the bench just got real cray. And something happened where I was like, what's happening, Candace? <laughs> and so I know I've lost a lot in the new mentions. But that was super cute. Are we on to my spotted on? Cool. So this is something that was spotted on the Twitter and also the Tumblr. And then a few of you fucking sent it to me because you're like, Candace, did you see this? And it's probably because there's a particular line in there that all of you knew that I would be into. I'd be like, let's do this. This is someone who gets Villanelle. This is someone who gets Villanive. And they should be commenting on all the stuff. And it was the Google box UK reaction to the kiss and the reactions there from the people are pretty funny but there's one in particular that I love so I'm just gonna play it real quick is that Villanelle coming towards her? <laughs> <gasps> no <laughs> the gasping imagine you're just on the bus and your enemy gets on it imagine imagine looking like a boss yes that is correct nice. ma'am nice to see you sorry for shooting you <laughs> okay this this Betty is one of my favorites Get her, Eve. No, I'm not here for you. Oh. So you want that connected? It really did. <laughs> Come with me. Come with me. <laughs> oh my God, she's climbed over the seat. Yes, she's she's my second she's favorite comment. Here we go, face to face. Smell me, Eve. <laughs> Smell me. Smell me. Villanelle will be tickling her bean in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you get it. She will be tickling her bean in a minute. What? Oh, she's kissed her. Yo, the dude's faces are like, why is she kissed her? Disarm her. Yes, that is one way. Oh, God bless him. <laughs> this is why I love her. You I love can't her. give somebody a kiss and then headbutt him. Well, you, you can. can. <laughs> you can. And Eve She did. just did. Thank Eve you. Eve just did it. The fuck just happened? What was the point of that? She never told you how she smelled. <laughs> I didn't know how she smelled. <laughs> Yo, he is such, he's in such distress about the smell. And I, I get that. I need, the the smell? Smell I need to know the smell too. I need to know the smell. 
I bet so she Eve. sat there thinking, what the fuck just happened? She did. The thing is, that had a bit of everything that you would want in a fight scene. Bit of girl on girl fighting. <laughs> smell me. <laughs> the kiss. And the headbutt. Pathetic. <laughs> oh my god. So that was thoroughly entertaining. I don't usually look at Google Box stuff because I just, I don't, but that was funny. And the girl who said that Villanelle would be tickling her bean, <laughs> she got it. She understood. And thank you for contributing that content to the world, random person. I so appreciate it. Right. And uh, the next uh, thing I have a spot on Twitter Tumblr. Twitter Tumblr uh, is something I'd like to call gay rights, but it was um, the four panel set. But we covered it in musings with Carolyn. Wait, what four panel set? It's a four panel set that we covered with Carolyn and uh, Geraldine, where we get just my friend Lily from university. I oh. dare say there are things you don't tell me. I see that she might be a gamo. <laughs> right. Get big gamo. <laughs> And I should reference, although, hmm, I, I suppose y'all could just lie to me and say, I got it, Candace, but for some of you vintage queers out there or people who've watched The L Word, you'll know exactly where that line is from. But if you don't, it's from the first season of The L Word when Bette and Tina are talking about having a baby. But like, what are we going to do? What are we going to name the baby? What's it going to do? And so they're talking about how the kid's going to be ridiculed for having two oh moms. My God. <laughs> because they want to they're thinking about oh should we hyphenate our names like combine our two names because we're queer and just do do it different than the patriarchy and so one of the combinations was poor tard and so <laughs> tina's like yeah we're gonna do that to our kid hey poor tard you big gamo how are your two moms and so that's that's where gamo came from and that is the end of my mini story <laughs> all right for my next spotted on it is probably one of the most ridiculous things i've ever seen and if I hadn't seen another ridiculous thing that would be my last spot on for this week, it would be this. And so this is a Twitter account I came across randomly on the timeline because somebody we follow liked a comment from her. And it's from this account that exists that is at Oksana's wife with the name Maria, the Spanish wife. And the tweet, <laughs> yes. And the tweet that I came across was, has anybody seen my wife? Three question marks. <laughs> I haven't gotten my pussy A in weeks. <laughs> Honey, please come home. <laughs> Do you remember that that meme? Well, I don't know if it was a meme, but it was a thing that went viral and could have become a, and did eventually become a meme. But it was someone's missing poster for their little dog, little Chihuahua. Okay, yeah. They're like missing my bastard dog again. This is Maria being like, "Has anyone seen my wife? Has anyone seen Villanelle? Unknown last name? Oh, for real, right? Like, right? Because um, she, she, she's, she, I somebody. mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know her last name, but I mean, uh, I just want to say, y'all motherfuckers in the fandom, stay making me laugh because wow, I did not know someone was cosplaying in the tweets as Maria, but I'm so happy that I found it. Cause it's just distressed tweets about not having the gay love. And that's probably accurate for what Maria is actually doing right now. Definitely bringing this back up because this was uh, a great big fun of a laugh that I got earlier in the week. And this is, it's a scene with Rachel Green uh, on her elbows. Oh wait, I saw that tweet. Yes. It's when she's eating the cake from yes. Ziflo. Yes, and the Relatable. caption is Eve in episode four when no one was looking. Relatable, and yes, I agree. She was staring at that cake too hard to not just go down and be like, let me just um, <laughs> grab the top of this. It's gotta be safe. I don't know where my last spotted on was. Did it disappear from my notes? But I know what it was, even though I don't know where my link is. 
And it's basically another fandom thing I saw. I told you about it earlier. I don't know what the actual at is, but I know it's Killing Eve Fandom News. And every time I see that account on the line, <laughs> on camera, I'm like, yo, what is going on? Apparently there were people out there trying to push fake articles and stuff and they got exposed and they've now been blocked by other people in the fandom. <laughs> I don't know. But there's an account out there if you guys want to know what's happening. And I'm just like, this fandom is so lit. It's so ridiculous. It's so turnt that there is an account to cover the ridiculous insanities and drama that happens inside Killing Eve, the Killing Eve fandom. And well, hey, <laughs> why shouldn't the fandom be as ridiculous as the women in the show? So I'm into it. And that wraps it up for me and my spotted ons. Oh, so now I've got to. All right. So which one of these do I really want to do? You know what? This is gonna of course, be my, you got like 18. No, no, you no, had no, a no. single, uh, two muses. Right. And you're like, look at my 27 spotted ons, right. Candace. But people were nuts this this round. They're nuts every round. It's all the and rounds because they're Killing Eve fans. So this is one of the bomb. I'm almost. You, it's one of these. Oh, right. The bomba right. clot. So do you see this okay, image? Yes, yes. It's, you know, uh, Ms. J. Yes. And then the clutching, comment. Clutching her invisible pearls. Right. And the comment is. Nico during the final scene of 305. <laughs> <laughs> That's rude. That's rude. But I will take all the rudeness in Nico's direction because Woo. I love it. Woo. I love it. I really love it. Well, Suzanne really did say, fuck the mans this season. She did. Miss Sondry. All right. And for my final, final spotted on is this lovely, lovely artwork that was shared by uh, Mooney Riot. I'm wondering if this is something that you actually did because this is beautiful. And it is um, Villanelle holding on heck? to Eve. And the one thing Villanelle keeps saying is bed, 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 bed. And Eve is saying, no, put me down. We have things. Stop saying bed. We can't do that every time I come here. One track mind. I would say bed, 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 bed is what was in Villanelle's mind when Eve shook her up and fucked her up with that kiss. Because, I mean, people have said it and I think it's really true, especially with the way Villanelle is and what she says she thinks about generally on a daily basis every moment of the day is that that happened and out of the absolute shock and like what and of course her skin vibrating her nethers all the stuff that she was like bitch right now on a bus uh-huh. I know I said it in the last snap uh-huh. but I'm gonna say it again and she was like right here right now in this bus we will give these people a show and that's why Eve had to headbutt her because she was like no ho I'm not ready for those types of kinks not into voyeurism or letting people experience my own voyeurism I like to watch and be watched but not by other people Villanelle <laughs> just you she- <sighs> Which, by the way, on my list of things that I made, which I guess I'll just mention in my final text of my short list of reasons why Eve should not believe that Villanelle did the thing. But that's that's one of them. That Eve knows that Villanelle likes to watch. And she did not. Well, since we've wrapped up on Spot It On, that brings us over to Final Takes. Pew, pew, pew. This is the end, guys. Well, almost the end. All right. So... This episode was a doozy, and it's um and it's it was going to be time for me to yes call for an expansion on what is going on with Geraldine because apparently she's doing a lot in that house without Carolyn knowing, and what we need is ultimately whom she's really in contact with, whether she was meeting someone up 
up over by the the booking place. I was about to say the betting, the gambling area. Who, if there was a who, who was happening? If if she was just gambling, then yay for her, yay for her gambling. But we need something more concrete. We're not going to get it episode five, so. This will be, I guess, a layover. But then again, we don't know who else we will get to see other than just Villanelle. Uh, the way these episodes are structured, and it may be its own original flash forward of events with solely Villanelle and her clan. But I just feel like we'll have less Eve Palastri. And we'll still get every other player around. Like, I feel like we'll still get some content with Constantine and some with Carolyn. And then that will be me also petitioning for... In this final take, uh, Geraldine expansion. Because we need to see why she's playing the way she's playing. Because I feel like, I'm not saying that she's overdue for something called a level up, but she's going to have to open up and be a thing. Maybe this is the episode where she rolls up on Constantine in the, in the dark and he screams. Maybe that will happen in this episode coming. We don't know, but I, we just need something more, something bigger. Oh, I also need Constantine to get caught out there with that siphoned caught email that email he took with that attachment i need someone who has been checking for that to know that he has it and for him to need to either figure out a way to manipulate what is in that data to before he sends it or that he has to make one of those quick decisions that will involve him needing to cut his losses and maybe say bye long term to his family because he's choosing to be greedy or whatever it is but i would love to see constant caught out there in the next episode so i guess i'll leave my takes over there all right yeah so we just got a twitter fine from simona who mentions that somebody out there one of the critics has a screener for what looks to be episode six and literally said what aloud in the first 10 seconds of the sixth episode before I go into my final takes, they're like, food for thought. I'm like, it could be anything from Eve waking up with a woman. Like, literally, they could do that. That Eve could just wake up in the bed with a woman and that would get, what? For most true. of the fandom. Villanelle could wake up in Maria's bed. And similarly, the fandom would be like, what? That's all I got. I don't think Eve could descend into such dirt and filth that she would elicit an out loud what. But she could. Those are my top three guesses of insanities. And I'm sure I will continue to ponder as the days move on about right. what this means. But I like where you are. I like this. Um, maybe even the explosion can happen if they didn't get through to doing the explosion in episode five. We fast forward. And maybe we'll get it in the first 10 before she leaves to find out. <gasps> maybe they are face to face in the first 10, but that's, that's hard. That's me. I keep trying to rush everything, but I do need them to get to each other and to clear up the confusion as to who's responsible for what. <laughs> I just see a follow-up. Could it be that Nico survived the pitchfork attack? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, are you trying to imply that Eve did what she didn't do for Villanelle, but she didn't pull it out? She left it in, and the EMTs and essential workers of Poland were like, we're going to save Nico Palastri today. We are combining Grey's Anatomy with, I was trying to think of another doctor show. Killing Eve Science. Well, that and Doogie Howser. And all together, we are geniuses who have saved a man with a pitchfork in his throat. He just won't be able to speak, but that's okay. No, I don't think it's because Nico's alive. I... I like what you just said about potentially the fire or something that is complete uh, reversal from maybe where they, where they leave us at the end of episode five and they're like, reverse it. Um, like, Missy Elliott, put that thing down, flip it and reverse it. And is now Villanelle is doing the opposite. 
Was you ever? Yeah. All right. So, okay. Well, thank you, Simona, for that. Keeping us on the up and up and in and in on what's happening with Killing Eve News. All right. So my final takes, where, what, what is my final take? Well, my final take is that we are definitely going to a significant place. We are getting to a significant place in realization with Villanella as far as life and experience and her future, what is plausible, what is attainable to her. And that's exciting because as far as we can tell, for the six months, she was in straight up denial, just straight up denial. She walked out of that ruins having shot Eve and much like the cowboy interlude deleted scene, we saw that she was just fucked up from the moment that happened and probably entered an entirely new phase of Villanelle. And it was workable. It was manageable for a time. She deflected her attentions to another woman that could occupy her time in the moments that she didn't just want to sit there and think about Eve and continue to lie to herself. Not convincingly, I'll say, but continued nonetheless all the way up until her wedding day, her reception. She's still lying about how she's so over Eve, so done with Eve, so happy she's dead, but yet you can't keep the woman's name out your mouth. That's the opposite (laughs) villanelle. And so I really feel like what the writers and creators have been showing us from the first episode is that from the moment, I guess not the first episode, but second episode, from the moment that Constantine informs her of this reality and she's aware that we can see an actual tangible fundamental shift in who Villanelle is. And I've actually seen some comments too about Villanelle's fashion or feeling like it's not altogether what we've seen. And that could be true because of um, wardrobe people changing, but it could also be something deliberate from the creators and people behind the scenes to indicate an unsteadiness or an unusual type of thing happening internally with Villanelle. That the type of assured fashion that seemed very much in line with who she was presenting in series one and some of series two has lost its juge in series three because she's going through a bit of a, a crisis, emotional crises, psychological crises and all this stuff. And because we think that Villanelle puts on clothes as characters, it would make sense that in this time of turmoil and confusion that her wardrobe should be a little confusing. And so I'm hoping that that's what it is. I would love to ask the wardrobe people or Jody herself these questions about what she thinks. It's definitely unusual to me to have Jody in so many non-pairs of boots. That has oh, to be a deliberate right. choice. It has to be a deliberate choice. I'm going to assume it is until someone tells me it's not because she has worn so many different pairs of expensive boots because I love boots and I've tried to get them all. And some of them I'm like, no, Candace, you can't. And others, because I'm tall, they're like, bitch, you never can because that's not in your size. So Aww. when you think about stilettos, when you think about heels, we think about sandals and all kinds of stuff, all these little things could be showing like little fractures to who the Villanelle character is. And because there's been all this concentration on Villanelle versus like sauna versus what she puts on to feel better, to feel of value to feel worthy perhaps a part of that gets stripped away when she isn't pinna or this episode of pinna with her family and mm. i've seen a couple things where people the fans are always going on about jody comer's incredible micro acting and what she does with her face that you can sort of tell when jody's being herself and when she's being villanelle all in how she just holds the muscles in her face and what she does and an interesting thing i've seen going around on the twitterverse is that the pictures that came out of jody as villanelle for the next episode where she's in a bomber jacket and apparently some Nikes. That's a fucking first. People are saying this looks like prison Villanelle or this looks like Oksana. Like it's not someone we've met before. And so I'm intrigued by that being something that is happening because it's very much in Jody's repertoire of skill to show us another bitch. She's done it consistently this season so she can decide to be like, okay, all right. I have peeled back some of these onion layers for Oksana. You saw a piece of her in a a prison. You saw a piece of her with Julian. But now this shit is about to come out. And 
I mean, I have said, I've screamed that feral Oksana is my favorite. It is what I most want to see. And I am so intrigued to know if Villanelle will let Eve see this version of her, which theoretically is the most true version of her without the pretty little things and the stuff and the monies and whatever. It's just, who who is that? Who is that? Who is that girl that is closer to who Anna had to deal with? Without the extra stuff, who is yeah. that? And will Eve, if we go with my clown makeup, she will love Oksana even more than Villanelle because if Eve has a problem with something, and this is in my mind, it's a problem with the artifice. It's a problem with the bullshit. It's a problem with the lies. The lying part comes with Villanelle. Yes, the style and other stuff comes with Villanelle, but if she gets a piece of that Oksana, that Oksana darkness, get to Eve, I think it's going to be a turn on. And if we just remember how Prison Villanelle was flirting with every damn body, I just don't see how Eve does not have a good time with Prison Villanelle. At this point, I don't even know <laughs> if my final take makes any sense because I just went oh, off no, into a tangent and started screaming about what I want. I just, I think the ultimate theme I'm trying to get at with my final take is that we are about to see some massive development with Villanelle. And contrary to what most of the fandom or some of these reviewers were thinking that it's somehow detracting or taking away from Eve or the development of Villain Eve, that it's the reverse. That everything they're doing for Villanelle, everything they're adding to her emotionally, psychologically, etc., is to build this thing with Eve and to make it more plausible to everyone else, particularly the Hets who can't see why. They're like, I can't see why this is gonna happen. I mean, so they have to show see. it. <laughs> they have to show it and not just tell it. They gotta show mm. and hopefully at least half of those people on the fringe of why is this even happening? What do they even find attractive about each other? Lord. We'll see that it's not just the physical thing and the superficial stuff, but it's the darkness. It is the innateness of our souls are in union about what we like and what we do. And let's just like go off together until we die. Is that too much to ask for guys? I don't think so. Come what may. Come what may. <laughs> I will love you. Right. Until my dying day. <laughs> Be in my damn balance. Is there something more? No, it's all right. It's all right. I think I said on Gentleman Jack Crack that my little sister, because of my obsession when I was younger with Moulin Rouge, that my little sister, however many, a decade and a half later, made it her wedding song. That song that, um, yeah, they do. The couple song. And I was like, my impact, but also, but yes, um, and thusly concludes my manic final take. But I blame Killing Eve and Villanelle for the mania that has taken over me. It really has to do with my love speech. If I didn't have that epiphany, if I didn't have that to mull over and chew on for the past couple of days and then just scream randomly at will, maybe I'd be a bit less of a manic pixie. But I'm sorry, guys, that is not the Candice you've gotten today. I've talked a lot and I'm sorry, <laughs> but things had to be said. Things had to be said. We're going to dance. Wow, my uh, sir, dancing. Sir, why are you I'm always not, dancing? Not. <laughs> why, sir? All right, well, that brings us to our favorite line of the week. Favorite line of the week. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> All right, and so my favorite line is said by the lady in red herself, Helen, her immediate reference to Eve. All right, guys, Terrence's line is coming up soon. <laughs> You have had hair. You said you had everything under control. I did. I do. Then why is she running around London pursuing her agent friend? Questions the one who wears the... Dr. <laughs> <Yo>! Mick. <laughs> I'm sorry, the way, the way Dasha turns her head, she's like, 
turtleneck. <laughs> Yo, that's um. You know what that reminds me of too? The digester. Can you guess? Is he looked like a mustache dipped in some fudge when oh, Villanelle yeah, was just doing her mouth and she's like the, right, the thing on right. your face. Ooh. And yes, I don't know how any person led by the sapphic winds wouldn't question facial hair in general because chafing is a thing. But since most men, I don't know, most is probably extreme, but most American men who have been polled do not think that oral sex is something that is required. Or, I mean, if you were to take motherfuckers like, um, who's that dude? Oh, DJ. Another one. Yeah, he was like, I don't do that. I don't do that. I expect all the blowjobs, but I don't do that myself. It's nasty. I just want to say to any het woman out there who potentially has seen a man or queer people who fuck with men, if he thinks your nethers are too grotesque, too disgusting, too something in which to go down, please get rid of that man. Please dump uh, that man. You don't have to poison that man. But you just get rid of them. I'm just one of those options in the spectrum from poison to just getting rid of. I would advocate it because it is the most absurd thing. Because like we said, the vagina self-cleaning, the penis is not. And given how these men are admitting how they don't scrub. Remember that thing we saw where the guy oh, was like, no. I don't scrub, I don't wash my thing. And he had the smegma because oh. it was literally a decade of not washing your dick. I'm sorry, this has grossed out a lot of people. I'm just saying there's tons of reasons and rules and regulations that edge out the ladies in this particular thing that if a guy is trying to say some shit to you, listening to this, just, ah, just know that it is, it's absurd. It's absurd. Right. It's absurd. It's absurd. And the person who says that to you does deserve violence. Down with the 11%. Down with the 11%. <laughs> All right, let's go to my line. And unsurprisingly, or at least it should be, and not a surprise to you all, is from the same scene with the lady in red, Helene. And it was a different line that she said, but I liked the, the flair she put on it. I liked the way she pronounced it, and I liked what she meant. Get her working. Without this um, extracurricular crap. Extracurricular. <laughs> I can kill yeah. Bolastri. Girl, no. And so that's, uh, yeah, that's my line that Helene refers to gay mess as extra curricular club. I like that term. I think we should all embrace the term extracurricular for gay activities. Gay activities, they're like, oh, it's just extracurricular. Extra. Extra curricular club. Lady in red. Yes, I will follow you into battle. Oh, okay. So I guess I'll ask for you to drop the drop that that uh COVID beat. The Rona. If we were having a carnival, Rona. Yeah, of course, you guys. I got to keep these Rona hits coming in the snacks. Oh. And since we've been feeling very Caribbean in the past few weeks, we have found yet another, yet another mashup soca about the Rona. And yes, we'll we'll do it. We'll play it while you are here doing your your thing. Yes. The CDC recommends organizers cancel or postpone <laughs> in-person events throughout the United States. No. Oh, no! Not Carnival. No! Lord. A reminder that you can reach out to us at hey, you guys, all one word at wellwellvillanelle.com. Our Insta is wellwellvillanelle. And our Twitter, if you are about it, about it is wellvillanelle. As you know, we are recording out in New York City where we are still seeing too many deaths every day. Support the Patreon or our Kofi, which is K-O hyphen F-I forward slash misandry in our show notes. Oh, it is misandry. And cop some merch as it helps the transition of us meeting from public to private transportation. 
Corona. A special shout out to all the essential workers, whether on oh, salary yes. or hourly tip based and everyone in between. Shout out to all you guys out there risking your lives and stuff so that the rest of the world can actually have some semblance of order. We appreciate you and love you. Yes. You help keep the city running and we can't do Especially well. a city like New York City. Right. A lot of people haven't been here, but literally the delivery people, the people who are in the subway system when it is open, the people who are in the stores, you are the only reason New Yorkers have food because the hoarders fucked us up way back in the beginning of March. Terrence and I, we've made jokes, but we have not found wipes, Lysol, anything like that in this actual fucking city since then. So everything we have is courtesy of people still delivering shit and doing shit and making life somewhat possible. And we so appreciate you guys. Right. We can't do what we do Oh my God, the hospital people. All the health people. The fuck? Oh, y'all. Love y'all too. Well, if that is the end of your list, I'm going to switch it up here for the world rundown. And I'm going to play something still soca related, but a little bit different. It's going to be another vintage classic for anyone who is familiar with this genre of music. The title of it is Flag Party. But yes, if you are from an island, you've probably heard this potentially at a wedding, potentially at the barbecue, potentially at Carnival, but you've heard it. And if you got an old auntie, an abuelita, a grandma who is like, listen, I'm just about um, Jesus and praising the Lord. Certain songs come on and you mm-hmm. see the hips that the uh-huh. hips don't lie they do about not. what your own tea was doing in her youth. Anyways, let, let me let me hit that shit. Let me hit that shit and we can do the country rundown. Hey, 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 hey. Shout out to all my trinies out there. Extra special thank you to Taiwan. Finland, <laughs> Colombia, Colombia, Singapore, Singapore, Argentina, Argentina, Hong Kong, Hong Kong, what up? Philippines, Portugal, Poland. I feel like I'd be fucking Italy, you up with my screaming. <laughs> New Zealand, New Zealand, Netherlands. Oh, Netherlands, what's up? Denmark, Denmark, Mexico. Wait, what was that last one? Mexico, Mexico. We got Russia. Brazil, Brazil, Spain, España, France, France, South Korea, South Korea, Germany, Germany, Australia, Canada. Oh, you Aussies, what up? Great Britain, Great Britain, and all of South America. I feel like I be trying to list all the countries in South America, but all of you motherfuckers, for supporting us and the podcast and. Listening anyway, despite our ridiculous, feral, feral natures. I love that uh, your love for this show transcends all borders. Thank you for listening to us and us react and vibe because we do what we do. And ultimately, to keep ourselves from going crazy because of the times we're in. But the fact that you find peace listening to us then and talk about, we appreciate it all so much. Those who can uh, find joy in what we do, we love it. And we love you. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks for uh, keeping our show relevant in your relative country. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the flag party. Flag party. And per usual, we will link this motherfucking song in the show notes. All right, everyone. Until our live stream of episode five. Here's hoping you get killed by a woman. And you guys, we have we have to be getting a love speech for Bruno. I've thought about it for way too many hours, and I've convinced myself it has to happen. Please unite with me in clamoring.
year 2020. <laughs> <laughs> it's like totally murder.